pink poodles, dogs with tattoos, and cats with pierced ears? What is going on this week on The Veterinary Viewfinder? Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And one of the tough topics that's just starting to percolate at the edges is where are the lines, the welfare ramifications of like body modifications and even colorations of dogs and cats and other animals that we care for? But before we get into all of that, as always, I am one of your hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, this story started up, at least for me, when there was a recent story on the internets that talked about a groomer who had done like some kind of spectacular pink poodle job or whatever, right? And she was bragging about it on her Instagram saying, look how creative I am. I made this and that and made it all this beautiful colors. And suddenly she was getting some hate out there. And so what I wanted to talk to our audience about today was what is the role of the veterinary professional in determining like where the boundaries are? Like, when does this become a welfare issue? You know, what should we be doing? Should we be taking the lead on some of these topics, like particularly tattooing and piercings and body studs? Yeah, it's a thing. So Becky, let's just start right there. You know, what do you think about sort of the stories that you're being exposed to on social media when it comes to all of these different extremes of pet appearance? I, it's funny because I think when I see these pictures and my first thing is I just think why and, and I do <laughs> I feel bad for the animal and I, I think I might just be like kind of a stick in the mud but I remember I used to work at a, a clinic in town and they would just kind of like get bored and shave the ki- the clinic cat and they would shave like suspenders into him or like a dinosaur haircut and wow. I remember it being like really benign but also thinking I really hate that they're doing that like I just think that it seems sort of exploitive and I don't think it's funny but it was really harmless so I kind of remember being conflicted myself like why do I hate this so much but I also just kind of hate it so for me I think it's kind of ridiculous And this is where this conversation needs to begin. And that is, what is the impact on the animal? Because, you know, there's this weird sort of relationship that we have. Are we parents? Are we guardians? Are we owners? Are we all of those things? And it's kind of this miasma of confusion that leads us to cut suspenders into our clinic cast. So so what I'd like to start off with, Becky, you know, are we somehow potentially inadvertently causing some harm? And look, I will extend this to putting sweaters on the Yorkie. Where are the the welfare boundaries? Like, do you think this is affecting the dog or cat? Right. I mean, I, I guess that's exactly right. They, they are born with their coats a certain way. They're born, you know, with things the way that I think evolution wants them to be. And I think there are important um enhancements we can provide for our pets when it becomes medically necessary. So we 100% recommend booties for service dogs that are going to be walking across parking lots in Las Vegas, for example. Right. This is a an adaptation that we ad- add because of what we're imposing on this animal in his own natural environment or hers. She would not need those booties. She would not be walking across parking lots in Las Vegas. We're asking her to do a job. And so therefore we're supplementing that. Um, But when we're just sort of entertaining ourselves visually with our pets, I guess it it, it kind of bothers me. And and you're absolutely right. Like, where is the line? What's the difference between making a bear dance in the circus and, you know, dyeing your dog pink with a mohawk because it it, it makes you think 
it's funny or happy. Like, I don't I don't have a good answer here. Um, I only have my own opinions. But I think we just kind of have to look at it from the viewpoint of the animal. There is no actual reason to be doing it. Should we be doing it? And I love what you just said, because uh, in my way of looking at it, we aren't asking the pet, what do they think? Right. I mean, we can't. Right. And so then we anthropomorphize and we say, but she loves her sweaters. Right. But do they? And until we can actually evaluate critically whether or not that animal enjoys having a pink puffy hairdo, (laughs) right? Should we be doing it? Because I love what you said. Is this just for our visual entertainment, right? And then I will take this one step further before, because there's so much I want to explore with you, Becky. But are we now further humanizing them? Like, so are we trying to make them little mini people by dressing them up and tattooing them and piercing their ears and whatever else we want to do? Are we trying to somehow make them even more human when they're clearly a different species? So I I think for me as a veterinary technician, this falls back to like my rules, right? I'm not allowed to make any permanent changes as a whole. So um, when I am practicing within the boundaries of my profession, I can't diagnose, prescribe, or make permanent changes. And so for me, when I think about tattooing an animal, when I think about um, any altercation in the hair coat that will be permanent because of the fact that we have shaved it or dyed it or whatever it is. Number one for me, the, the the boundary is going to be if this is a permanent change for the animal, it's a no go. Uh, so piercings, tattoos, altercate. I mean, we see surgical alterations. Um, I can't get behind that, and I'm really kind of shocked at at somebody. Like I think about um, the limitations on a tattoo artist or a piercer that says if this person's under the influence of drugs or alcohol and they're not able to give legal consent to do this that anybody would actually do something like that with an animal on those same boundaries, right? They can't give consent. But in some of these cases, they're the actual owner. And and there are a lot of things that are happening out there. And I I would say, obviously, the first thing that we look at from a body modification, a permanent change, would be people that are docking tails, that are clipping and trimming ears, right? I mean, so, so right there, those are two very hot topics, right? I would then further go to what about debarking, you know, altering permanently the vocal cords of a dog. I mean, there are a lot of things that the kind of veterinarians might be involved with Becky that sort of fall under this discussion, right? Oh, yeah. And I mean, if you're interested in that kind of conversation, and if that is um, appealing to you, the Society for Veterinary Medical Ethics is always having these type of ethical conversations, because 100%, you're right, at the very baseline of this, we're talking about body modifications for visual appearance um, that have been going on for a very long time and declawing. Um, we, we do these types of things. And I think the, the majority of the veterinary profession is against it. But once again, as I always am saying, we are not leading the voice against it. So if you're listening today, we want to hear from you. Like, first of all, like, what do you think? Let's and let's take a couple of examples that are just on the fringes, on the extremes, but could quickly go mainstream if we're not careful. And the first comes with tattooing. Now, there have been several high-profile cases on the internet showing people that have taken their dogs and their cats and, you know, and their tattoo artists themselves, which is one of the things I think makes this a little trickier, right? Because you can't like say, well, you paid somebody to do something that's potentially illegal. So they now, they tattoo whatever on their dog or cat. Is that fair? Is that right? You know, what provisions are they taking to make sure there's no pain or discomfort? I don't have any tattoos, but Becky, you might. I mean, isn't it a little uncomfortable? I do. Um, (laughs) That might be a whole nother podcast. Um, 
yeah, I mean, like, obviously you're sticking needles at a high rate in through skin. For for me, I was mentally prepared for it. It is part and parcel of the process itself. It's not excruciating. It's not unbearable, but it was absolutely my choice. And I would really um, say that I would not want to be pinned down and be tattooed. That would, right. you know, against my will, 100% would not be a, a lot of fun. And I don't think I would want to be sedated. The other thing about it is, too, right. is that there is discomfort in the healing process of a tattoo. Like they itch. They can get infected. Um, there is the risk of having allergic reactions to the ink itself. So there are actually complications associated with tattoos. They are a quote unquote procedure. There is risk involved. And so we are putting our pets at risk. And again, that, that like if we're sticking with just tattoos, but again, pat piercings and, and any surgical procedure, um, anything that we're doing to alter anything has risks associated with it. And so I think when it comes to tattooing, that's where I get really weirded out. Their skin's not the same as ours. Right. Like right. like the it, literally scientifically animal skin is not the same composition as human skin. So when you're tattooing your dog or cat, is it actually OK? Is it the same? Is it being absorbed the same? Is it entering the dermal layers the same as human skin? Because it's not human skin. Now, I just want to um, caveat here, guys, uh, for for anybody who's wondering, I am not against tattooing um, spays in high, you know, um, trap and release situations so that we don't cut that animal open again. I am you know, interested to know what you think about tattooing when it comes to, say, hunting dogs or for identification purposes, if it is to fulfill a purpose. Um, right. Because that is, again, where where we can kind of justify it, maybe, yeah. or have a conversation around it. But when we're talking about uh, tattooing art on our pets, that's where I'm thinking to myself, There, there's no way the risk is worth the benefit. And, and I love that we're talking, we are now distinguishing between utility. So tipping cats ears to make sure that you can easily identify that they've already been spayed or neutered, right? So that I think is okay, because that's a very different application. What, what we're getting back to here is, okay, as uh, Becky said, hey, this is for visual entertainment. So we're talking about tattooing, like, you know, pictures or yeah. whatever designs right, yeah. on your dog or cat. I think that's I don't know. I think that's stepping outside of the, the boundaries. Uh, and then, of course, we extend into these other body modifications, such as piercings and studying. And before you think that I am totally off my rocker, you need to just do some quick Google searching because this stuff is happening. And even if it's not happening in your backyard, it's probably happening in our country, but it's also definitely happening around the world. And in fact, there are certain cultures, which I don't want to necessarily name today, um, that this has become a hot thing. So they are making their dogs in particular look like other animals and they're going to greater and greater lengths and extremes to make them look like the zebras, right? And so getting back to this whole thing is how do you think that makes the pet feel? Nobody's talking about that. And I think this is where the veterinary profession has a professional responsibility, a moral and ethical duty to say, hey, wait, okay, this is a sentient being. Do we have the right to impose this form of, I love what you said, Becky, visual entertainment. This is just for our edification, our amusement, our enjoyment. Do we have the right to impose that on this other sentient being, right? Because like you said, Becky, you went in and got a tattoo fully aware of what it was going to be like, that it there would be pain, there'd be follow-up, right? We don't give that choice to the dog or the cat. Yeah, no, I mean, that's exactly right. And then it's funny, you know, when you were talking, I was thinking about how there are times we have to shave our, our patients. So like I think about like so like ACLs, right? And then they end up with these little chicken leg. And um, I think about how many times I've said like, oh, he's embarrassed. Look, at right. him. he's embarrassed about his chicken leg. And I 
I would argue most veterinary professionals listening today have said that themselves. Whatever sure. altercation happens, we see them have some kind of response that we, our mirror neurons reflect as embarrassment. So um, that emotion occurs to us in our own firing of empathy in our brains that we don't have actual control over. Our brain relates it most closely to embarrassment. There has to be something behind that. So if we can see that moment happen for them, then I have to wonder, I don't want to anthropomorphize here heavily, but there has to be some feeling there. There has to be some discomfort and some unsureness. And, and again, I would argue uh, when, okay. So when I, when myself, um, I have several tattoos. My husband has a whole lot of tattoos and um, (laughs) regularly gets them. And whenever he comes back from getting tattooed, my dogs are all over that ink. They smell the blood. They smell the ink itself, the altercation. They're very interested in what that is. And I can't imagine how that pet must feel when that is in and on them. Right. And and two things I want to touch on here, Becky, because you made some really, really salient points here. And I want to emphasize them. The first is, okay, you can make an argument, well, they're not self-aware. So the dog isn't self-aware. So he doesn't really recognize that he's got the funny haircut, right? And I said funny because that's, I'm judging it. So now you are judging this dog as having a funny haircut. Like you feel he's embarrassed. He's got to be. So whatever it is that you're feeling, what dogs are, conditioned and have evolved, co-evolved with humans to do is to understand our emotional state. So if imagine you've got this dog with this fluffy pink haircut, or it's cut like a zebra, right? Or it has a weird tattoo or whatever. And again, I'm making judgments in all of those intentionally. So now everybody on the street at the dog park, they look at the dog and they are instantly met with this weird feeling that is manifested as their body language. So the dog now goes through life with everybody going, right? And that's what the dog now sees the world as. And so again, we can argue they're not self-aware, but they are acutely aware of how they are being treated and responded to by other beings in this world. The second thing I want to touch on here is, can you imagine you wake up or somehow you are forced into having this weird altercation that is permanent? And I do believe that dogs and cats know acutely what their bodies look like. Like I'm, I'm going to kind of have to stick with that because I've done too many surgical procedures on dogs where they look at that scar, or they look at that, that shaved area and they're like, yo dude, what just happened? Like, is this for real? Like, that's me. Like, can you make this go away? So imagine now if there's a picture of Snoopy on your dog. <laughs> Okay. You know, and I don't think you can really defend this by saying, well, just put it where they can't see it. Because I mean, again, are we now crossing into some weird, weird territories? Also, what I want to talk about, I want to get our listeners attitudes and opinions on this is, should we as veterinary professionals be leading this conversation? You know, we always talk about that on the podcast, Becky, but really, should we be now leaning into our lawmakers? Should we be going and looking at regulations? Should we be pressuring the AVMA to make a statement on this? Because currently, this is outside of the bounds of all of this discussion. But should veterinarians say, hey, world, you know, this might be a step too far and maybe here's some guidelines and best practices. Becky, what do you think? Of course. I think when it comes to animals, we have to be leading everything when it comes to welfare <laughs> and interactions and voices. We literally pride ourselves on speaking for those who can't, and we regularly put it all over everything we can, our own skin, our shirts, our hats, our walls, and we pride ourselves on speaking for those who can't, and then we don't. We just watch why stupid things like this happen and our clients come in with stupid haircuts and hair dyes and piercings and 
we cringe, but do we really advocate on behalf of that pet? And do we advocate in a higher passion place than we do fear of losing that client? Well, and and I do want to just touch on something very briefly because, uh, you know, I'm in San Francisco a lot with my other company, Wild Earth. And um, so I'm exposed to a lot of people that are thinking about weird things. And so uh, a few months ago, I was at a dinner (laughs) and we we were talking about human body modifications to assist us. And really, we were talking about robotics and enhancements to allow us to be stronger, to be faster, to see better, and even to process uh, information more rapidly and accurately, right? So these are all these types of robotics, cyborg type of, of, you know, enhancements, right? And so as I'm sitting there at dinner and, you know, I'm enjoying a very nice glass of wine, I started thinking, holy smokes, you know, we really aren't talking about how this applies to animals, specifically service animals. So Becky, one of the things that I think we're going to be challenged with over the next 20 years is, okay, let's take a, a military application, a dog in the military, and we want to enhance, make it a superpower smelling, superpower fighting, superpower you know, tracking. So what about that? Becky, like, do, do we need to start to intervene and say, wait a second, you know, because honestly, as I said in this dinner, I was like, you know what? I think that's where it's going to start first. Like I know that people will be biohacking uh, themselves individually, but I think at scale, it seems to me to make a lot more sense to make a cyborg dog for the military way before we would make a cyborg soldier. Am I off my rocker here? That's tough. That's there's a lot of ethical stuff there, right? Like right. a lot of this bionic, you know, some of this comes from a really good place. Um, right. Taking people who have lost the ability to walk or, or have movement of their body and creating an, a literal exoskeleton that allows them to have movement. Um, at the same time, creating exoskeletons that can carry an exorbitant amount of weight so that our military professionals and military personnel don't have to hump across mountains with 180 pounds in their rucksack on their back and have to carry themselves that far with this exoskeleton. It'll be like just walking with their own body weight. Those are all meant for good purposes. But the thing we as humans do the best is take our powers for good and make them evil. (laughs) Right, right. Right. And so then it's like, how can we use this to our evil advantage, our overtaking advantage? How can we become and use our powers in this space to exert them over other people? And so when you talk about cyborg dogs in the military, so to say, I, I, you know, 100 percent, I believe in 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 the utilization of dogs, of working dogs. um, And there is some ethical question there, but I do believe in it. Those dogs saved my husband's life along with all of the men and women that were with him on multiple occasions. I'm grateful for it. Those dogs pull human beings out of rubble and and their families are forever grateful that their dogs are able to smell them to find them. So the idea of creating bionic dogs to further benefit and to um, make their jobs easier and actually safer, I, I want to be behind that because it does save human lives and it does um, protect animal lives. But when we start doing it so that they can do questionable things and go questionable places, um, it's kind of, it's, 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 it's scary. And again, really hard to figure out where we draw those lines and where we are exploiting these animals. Yeah. So again, this stuff, you know, again, science fiction, I totally get it. I think that we're going to see a lot more CRISPR or genetic modifications earlier than this, but just be aware these discussions are real. They're really happening. And if they're happening, that means that they could come to fruition. So again, just love to hear what you guys have to say about this. It's just, you know, where does the veterinary profession, like, that's what I'm always excited about. It's like, 
I'm excited because I get to be around a bunch of super smart, you know, computer people and engineers. And I'm like a vet, which they're not quite used to. They think we just spay and neuter dogs and cats all day long. And suddenly you're dropping stuff like that. So it's important for us to insert ourselves in these conversations whenever possible. And honestly, Becky, that's why we do this podcast, because we try to seed conversations throughout the world because, you know, there's this other concept of aggregate intelligence. And that is we are adding to this big public knowledge base that you can access through podcasts or internet or, or social media or whatever. So I think it's important, but let's get back to this other thing. So right now, I think most of our listeners are probably going, yeah, I can see where like tattooing and maybe putting a stud in a cat uh, or piercing the dog, um, that might be a bit too far. But Becky, what about declawing? Well, I mean, right. That's the point. De docking tails, docking ears, declawing. Now we're making these physical altercations. And I think, again, and we just recently talked about this, that the veterinary profession is actually not leading the voice that says this actually we this needs to stop. We know that in in the UK um, and overseas, a lot of these procedures have been banned. They've been banned for a long time. And, and here we're seeing human humane groups step up and say, this isn't OK. And these procedures should not be being done. We're not we're not leading voices um, right. from the veterinary industry in this ad advocating process. And I guess that's kind of again, I've said it a million times, my major issue. But I think why are we doing like, what is the point of doing this? Is this because this animal is going to have a job and the tail? I have personally removed double dew claws on my dog that were unattached, that were at high risk for being ripped off in a dog that was incredibly active that I knew um, these were these were going to be a problem long term. Right. So um, but they were not the attached dew claw. Right. They were an additional yeah, yeah. kind of wonky thumb sticking out there that was going to cause a problem. So, again, I, I have to look at it as first do no harm. And I think um, doing no harm means not causing pain for absolutely no reason and not only not performing that, but boy, standing up against it. And that's where I think we're really missing the boat. Yep. And here's what I want to challenge the profession. So if you're listening today, this is what I want to sort of make you think about the rest of the day. And that goes like this. We have absolutely no objection. In fact, there's complete unity, I would, I would argue, around things like there are welfare issues of the pain of osteoarthritis. Okay, so we do a lot about how do you recognize pain in your dog or cat with arthritis, right? How do you recognize this? And how do you treat this? And what are the outcomes, right? So we, so everybody is cool with that. But yet, why don't we extend these animal welfare, these types of concerns beyond like things like orthopedic injuries, right? Like where, why aren't we talking about, hey guys, there might be some issue going on here with shaving your dog and making it look like a hippopotamus, okay? <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and even if there's not, so if we do science, if we do discussions and we conclude that it's perfectly acceptable, well, that's also what we should be sharing with the world. We should say we are the authorities on this because I will tell you, you know, I, I know a lot of people a long time ago accused me of being very defensive about this, but I have fought for our profession publicly in the media my entire career because I always, and I still do believe that we are the ultimate resource for pet health information. Like that's what I, that's been my guiding principle. And yet I've seen this erosion towards all of these self-proclaimed pet experts. And look, Becky, we've talked about this on the podcast, but you've known me for years and years. I mean, this is just something I drive home. So we are fighting against people who just sort of said one day, you know what? I'm a cat expert. I know everything about behavior, right? I, I, I heard voices after a lightning storm. I mean, and I'm not making this up. That's a real thing. And he's very, very popular. And so 
why aren't we that voice? Like, and how much longer are we going to just sit by idly and go, you know, okay, that's fine. I just, today, Becky just received an email when I'm recording this podcast and it was from an outlet and they wanted me to to review a piece that had been written by somebody who's calling, I don't want to get into the name, but, but basically a cat lady, right? So it's, and I was like, the first thing was back with, well, I don't see any credentials here. Like, is she a veterinarian? Is she a PhD? I mean, what, what, what does she do? And they were like, oh no, she used to be in marketing. <laughs> okay. Well, I see now. So again, you know, where do we have to lead on these things? And this is an area right now that we should be leading on. And that is all things welfare. Again, Becky, am I off my rocker? Am I just oh getting God, old? No, you're not off your rocker. And like, you know, to everyone's defense, Dr. Ernie, you know, um, first of all, we want to say San, San Francisco, you're not weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're sorry. Number two, Dr. Ernie does a podcast with somebody who's my nose is pierced. I'm tattooed. My husband's heavily <laughs> tattooed. This isn't about um, hating on those things. You know, right. it, it, you can absolutely say like, look, I choose not to have purple hair or whatever it is, but I don't care that you do. Uh, but but we're talking about the difference in in free will and what we're enforcing and what we're imposing on um, the animals around us and then what we're ignoring, you know. Right. And, and again, it's hard. Like where I was I was I think I don't even know where I was the other day, but I was overhearing a conversation of someone talking about wanting to dye the hair on their pet. And I really was just so conflicted in that moment because it's like sometimes I have to be like, Becky, don't get in a fight. You know, what do you you don't know these people like don't get in their lives. But the other part of me wanted to just really be like, why would you do that? Why are you thinking about doing that? Like, what is the purpose? And they're just chuckling. It's truly for their entertainment. But I was thinking like hair dye stinks to me. My dogs smell my hair after I get it. Oh, wait, no, I don't get it dyed. This is all natural. Hold on. Cut that. You know, right. But like my dogs react to that. And I can't imagine what it must be like for when it's on them. And and, and so this is exactly right. I, 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 your point is exactly right. We have to be the leaders in it. Um, we I know it sounds like we're spoil sports or it's not fun. And, and what is the quote unquote harm? But instead of asking what's the harm, I, I really have to ask what's the good. Yeah, yeah, that's a really, really great point. Well, I mean, we could talk about this all day long. I think these are super hot topics. And uh, sadly, I believe this is one that will gain uh, traction. I think that we are seeing the acceleration of these things. And if it happens like in a certain Asian country, Becky, literally this these fads occur overnight and then within like a few months it's everywhere so i guess i'm always trying to stay one step ahead and that's why we love our loyal viewfinders because we're trying to always be that one step ahead of the tough topic so that you can at least be prepared if you want to be uh but more importantly we want to know what you have to say about this yeah like how do you shut these conversations down or if your client says something like i was thinking about dyeing her hair or if you have a dog come in, in in clothing that actually looks really uncomfortable, like, are you saying anything? What do you say? How do you say it? Are we crazy? Are we are we just no fun sticks in the mud? Should we lighten up a little bit? I want to hear kind of all the different sides, because if there's something I'm not thinking of, if there's not a point that if, if there is something great to come out of this for the animals, I want to hear it because it's a point of having this kind of span to hear voices. So let us know how you're dealing with these things. Yep, hit us up on Instagram at The Veterinary Viewfinder. We're on Facebook, Veterinary Viewfinder. We're on Twitter at Vet Viewfinder. We really want to hear from you. And while you're doing all of this, thinking about tattooing and studying and, and shaving and dying, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. We really appreciate you loyal viewfinders out there. Give us a four or five star review on iTunes. It means so much to us and it helps us grow this podcast because honestly, all we want to do is help animals and we love 
you guys so much. Until next time, bye. Bye. Wow, we could go on and on. There's so much there and there's so much that I'm scared about. Poor animals. <laughs> Can you imagine? No. Like, I, 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 I don't know. It's just, it, I, like I said, it, like, especially like when you talk about tattoo and piercings, like, right? Like, they itch. They...